It's a song that Mr. Horton used to sing to us when we were out on the band field when I was a freshman. Oh, yeah. He would sing to us during practice. Yeah. I've learned the song, and I've now started using it as one of my songs that I play on tour <gasps> with Bob Joy. Yeah. So I could play a bit of that. American Idol in 2019? If you did, you may recognize the voice you just heard. That was my friend Walker Burroughs, who was a top eight finalist on Idol that year. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you're one of his 151,000 followers on Instagram, or you're responsible for one of the 2.5 million likes on Spotify for his single, The Moon Song. I've known Walker most of his life and I asked him to tell me about his experience on American Idol, not only because I knew people would be interested, but also because he thinks and talks about music and life with honesty, maturity, and wisdom. I sat down with Walker twice, once at Samford University in the summer of 2019 when he was fresh off the Idol experience, and again in 2021 after he had spent a year touring with Bobby Bones. I think we can all benefit from hearing what Walker has to say. I'm Beth McGinnis, and this is Here in Alabama. Let's start with life, Walker. Um, let's let's dig back to, you know, some early things. Tell me about growing up. Tell me about your parents, your family, early musical experiences. Let's see. I grew up in a very musical family. My Grandfather was a composer, and, and my mom and all her sisters sang. My dad writes and plays piano and guitar, and he taught me those instruments as I got into elementary school. I have a twin sister named Milligan, and we grew up being best friends. And yeah, so Milligan and I would perform together in church at, at Sunday morning services, and um, also at church, I was in the children's choir and in the youth choir for a period of time. There was a like ensemble where I played the bassoon, but I was pretty bad at the bassoon. <laughs> so, so that didn't last long, but I had a good time. Yeah. My first performance ever was at talent show at passport camps when I was a kid. What's passport? Passport is a youth camp and a kid's camp, uh, based kind of, it's based in Birmingham, but there's camps all around. The southeast. My parents actually started the camp back before I was born. Um, so I've grown up going to this camp my entire life, and it's where some of my fondest memories are. But it's also where I got introduced to the opportunity to perform in front of people. I was really scared my first audition. I was like, kind of, I was like crying a bunch before the audition. And my mom was like, What's wrong, bud? And I was like, I'm so scared because I think in my mind it was going to be like, an audition like I had seen on TV, like Simon Cowell and American Idol and everything. Now the irony is that I've done American Idol, but we did the audition and it went great and then the talent show went great. So I kept doing that for the years to come and moving into like middle school, I did the talent show for school and I did the same thing in high school. I started doing little festivals that the school would put on and that was kind of the extent of my solo performances, but I also was really involved in band, really involved in choir as well in high school. And I think that's where most of my musical training came from in those years. You mentioned that talent show at Passport. Was that the one where you had the cape? I did. I did have the cape. The theme that year was like superheroes. Yeah. 
And so I dressed up as the Guitar Hero. And I had a cape that said Guitar Hero on the back, like the video game. Yeah. So I was like playing my guitar and singing my song. I had this big old head of bushy hair. I think there's some <laughs> video that exists somewhere. I remembered seeing the video of Walker's passport performance. I remembered the cape. As he left the stage, a throng of elementary school girls surrounded him and moved with him. They wanted autographs, and he was signing their hands, their t-shirts, anything they had handy. And what did you sing then? I sang I'm Yours by Jason Mraz. And now you've met Jason Mraz. I have, yes. On this season of American Idol, I got to sing a song with Jason Mraz when I made it to the top 20 on the show. Um, We had celebrity guests come in, so mine was... My partner was Jason Mraz, and we sang um, one of his new songs called Have It All on his new uh, EP or whatever album, maybe. Yeah. What was that like? (sighs) That was was pretty unreal. Just the idea that I was going to sing a song with somebody that I, I mean, like foundationally knew as as a musician myself. Like he was such a big influence that he was the first he was the writer of the first song that I ever performed. And now I'm singing with him in, in, on the biggest stage that I've ever been on. Um, it was just really surreal, but he was also like a really kind person and really easy to work with. And he, he wanted me to shine. Like he, he gave me these moments and helped arrange the song to where I had some standout moments. And that, you know, that was really generous of him because it's his song and it's, you know, his opportunity to have some good publicity as well. But he was really cool about it. You said you were scared um, when you went into that first audition for the Passport Talent Show. Were you scared before you met someone like Jason Mraz or any of these other famous people that you've met? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. That's a good question. A, a common common phrase or a common opinion by a lot of the contestants this year is that the effect of meeting famous people kind of wears off after you're surrounded by them all the time, like we were for that short period of time. You sit behind Lionel Richie for five hours a day for a week at Hollywood Week, and it you know it's not as cool as it was on the first day. Mm. Not that I wasn't grateful, <laughs> yeah. but it, but it just you know that's how it is. But I still got really really nervous about Jason Mraz, yeah. even with with how um, how I was reacting to meeting all these famous people. Jason Mraz was still freaky for me. Another uh, one of my good close friends on the show had a song with him as well. So I stood outside of the room while they were rehearsing their song. And then I was up next to go in and I was like, so jittery, so nervous about to walk in there. But yeah, no, he was, he was really, really awesome about everything. So have your ideas about fame changed after meeting all these people and becoming famous yourself? I hesitate to call myself famous because I, feel like it's just this weird fleeting reality TV thing. I did put in a lot of hard work, but I, I also think um, it was just really quick. So it's it's kind of freaky to me still. Bobby Bones, for instance, he's who I'm going on tour with now. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to know him really well. He's He's pretty famous, I would say. And it's just like, you know, people are normal people. It's everybody's just got the same same problems, just on different levels and for different reasons, but I guess I just don't find it to be that big of a deal. I think I still react really strongly to art that people create and 
accomplishments that people have, but less so to the fact that they have like a million followers on Instagram or something. I mentioned that I know Walker. He grew up in the church where I'm also a member and play the organ. He was in the children's choirs I accompanied. He was the first person to welcome my son into the church youth group, and then a few years later, he was one of the first people to make my daughter feel included. I asked him about the intersection of his home community with his time in the national spotlight. Like from from home from Vestavia people? Yeah. Like like yeah. like my Alabama folks? Yeah, your folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gracious. I genuinely could not have felt more loved by or just felt more love from from this community. Everybody was really supportive and I saw them everywhere online. I <laughs> I would get many hundreds of texts after every show just from friends and like really old friends that I haven't talked to in a long time. And I could tell when it was just really genuine. You know, sometimes there's some people that, you know, may just be talking to me because now I'm getting all this attention. But um, most of the time it was just really genuine compliments and nice things that people had to say. I felt I felt most loved the night that I or I guess the morning after I had gotten cut from the show, mm. I was, I mean, I was pretty sad. Rejection hurts. You know, it was, a, it was a little bit tough waking up that next day and still kind of just feeling sad. And I looked on the Instagram. Um, <laughs> it was just full of all my friends just commenting like, oh, Walker should still be on. <laughs> so I they were all so angry. Like, William. Remember, my son William is Walker's friend. (laughs) Some of William's comments got me absolutely weak. Just like a lot of the church people commenting and then just a lot of people that I barely knew in high school, too, were just defending me. And it just it felt awesome to kind of be that common ground for a group of Alabamians. So for, for just a short period of time. I think that was really true, Walker. I, I thought during that time that you brought our community together in a way that we had not been before. I say that for the church and for the community in general, we sort of united around Mm -hmm. you in that way. And it was really good for us. It was this gift that you gave to us. I remember we actually moved the shepherd concert. We moved the time of the shepherd concert at church. Our big spring concert named after my predecessor, Betty Sue Shepherd. She was our church organist for 38 years so that we could all get home and watch American Idol. No way. <laughs> we did. What? <laughs> it was set oh at one time and then we made it an oh, earlier no time way. because we needed to get home. That's and crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, we did. And we had an orchestra, you know, and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And so everyone it was had to like, be recoordinated. Like, everybody God. had to, yeah. And so we were like, no, this is Walker. We're doing it. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. And it was good for us. You know, it was good for us to be brought together around you, which was, I really think that was a gift to our community. That means a lot. Walker left this strong community at home to go to college at Belmont University in Nashville. He built a strong community there as well. It ended up being exactly the right place. Every opportunity that has led me to where I am right now has, the major ones at this point in my life have all come from Belmont. My freshman year, I auditioned to be in uh, this acapella group called the Bell Tones mm-hmm. on campus, and that was like my community freshman year. It was it was awesome. I was the only freshman in the group, and so everyone else was 
older and they've all already taken the classes that I've taken so they could help me with homework mm-hmm. and they can encourage me and all this. And it was really wonderful. And from that group, I, I had a really good friend in there who released a song on Spotify. And I said to myself, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So from that experience, I decided to release my first single on Spotify. Yeah. And then like a few months later from that single is how an American Idol casting producer found me. And then that's how I got on the show. And that's now how I'm on tour with Bobby. And it, it all just, it's this cycle that keeps having a new part. Yeah. So I'm just really grateful for where I ended up going. Going to college at Belmont University has continued to challenge Walker in ways that have shaped him as a musician and a person. Belltones, freshman year, been really awesome. I'm doing that again this year. It'll be my third year in the group. I'm in a jazz choir on campus, and it is the hardest thing I have ever done. It's the hardest music, well, not, yeah, it's the hardest music that I've ever had to learn and, and perform. What makes it so hard? Oh, man just singing just singing all these like really complex harmonies and it's hard enough when I'm standing next to the tenors but then my director puts us all together so like I'm standing next to an alto and a soprano or a soprano and a bass or something and it's so hard there was a there was a song that we were singing um caravan yeah it's that melody we were all singing it on the same chord except I was a tritone above the bass and a minor ninth below the sopranos. And we just moved up and down together. Uh And it was like, it was the, it was so hard. And I'm the only, I was the only tenor in the group last year who didn't have perfect pitch. And so like, I was struggling so much. It took me about a month to be able to just sing it right with the whole group. Yeah. So it was just super hard. (laughs) How do you work on learning music like that when, the hard part about it is your interaction with the other voices. Right. So how do you practice it yourself? It is entirely muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friend in the group, probably his name is Daniel. He has perfect pitch as well. What he gets to do when he reads the music is he can read it. He can read the notes and hear them in his head and sing them out loud. And that's how he practices. For me to be able to be prepared for rehearsal, I essentially have to memorize my music and that's practicing it. I have to memorize all the intervals mm-hmm. and and just know that what I'm singing is right even though I really can't hear myself and it doesn't sound like anything anybody else is singing. But once you get it, it's like the most rewarding thing. It's it's so fun. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed that. It's it's pushed me. It's taught me a lot about practice um because I have to put a lot in for the group. And I have this I have this app that like slows down the music so I can sing to it and speed it up and do all this. So yeah. yeah, that's my process. Walker's description of learning difficult music basically by memorizing it resonated with me. I remember learning to play all four choral parts of Mozart's Requiem that same way. Musicianship can involve extremely hard work, and when you put in that work, the result can be stunningly virtuosic. Walker knows the deep satisfaction this process can yield. It goes way beyond showing off. When I interviewed Walker at Samford, I had been listening to the radio on the way to see him, and I heard an interview with Vince Gill, who had a new album out at the time. I told Walker about it. And he said, with his music, he wants to move people, not impress them. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Respond to that. Oh, man. I, okay, my, my gracious, that's awesome. 
I love that. When I was on the show, my downfall would be to practice the song to the point where it lost all emotional connection to me. And I wanted to, I wanted everything to be perfect. And I wanted my technique to be spot on. I wanted my intonation to be spot on. And it just, it, nothing was clicking. It, specifically, I'll talk about this song, How Deep Is Your Love? Mm. I sang, it was, the, it was the day before I sang with Jason Mraz. And nothing was clicking. It wasn't working and I wasn't doing it right. And my vocal coach was like, he kept getting on to me about these things that I was supposed to be doing and I could never get them right. I don't know, whatever. And I called my professor at Belmont, my, my jazz teacher, and she was like, it's awesome to be able to do everything right, but your job as a performer is to provoke emotion. Your job is to make these people feel something. It's not to get everything right. Because, mm. and, you know, first of all, they, they really won't know the difference. But as long as they feel something, that's that's what they care about. So that, that really did it for me there. And then I think that's carrying into what I'm doing. But... I'm, I love that. I love that thought. I like to be oppressed in music though. I don't, you know, I like to feel things, but I also feel things when I'm impressed by things. It's this weird, that's just my personal taste in listening to music. I'm not good enough to really produce music that impresses me or like anything like that. That's a whole thing I'm dealing with on a, on a writer's scale. And maybe I'm not making any sense right now. I'm sorry, but no, a lot. Um, yeah. my favorite musician is named Jacob Collier. He's just this prodigy musical genius guy, and he is insane. His music moves me and impresses me, so <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I wish I could do. I think that's what I was kind of trying to say that whole time. I wish I could write music that impresses people. I think that's something that I'm wanting to do, and, and I don't think it's healthy. I think it makes me try too hard to where I'd never actually end up writing anything worth the time. I, I did that all through Idol, and when I got off Idol, I was trying to write all these intricate songs because I just want to be able to write imp like intelligent music. And I and I never I was never finishing a song, and so I sat upstairs in my room one day and said to myself, "I I know what I need to say, and so I'm going to write this song just for me, and with absolutely no purpose other than writing, I'm going to finish a song today." And I did, and it was like, it's the song that I've been most proud of that I've written in probably the last year. I've actually just recorded it, and I'm hoping to release it as a single sometime in the next few months. Congratulations. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, Can you it, say the title of the song? Or not well, yet? I don't, know what, I don't okay. know what the title of the song is yet. That's okay. But, yeah. No, that's just fine. Remember this point in our conversation. It's going to come back up later. You know, you're getting at something that is really, I'm not sure... If we've quite yet put our finger on it, but you said a few moments ago that there is something moving about being impressed, and I'm connecting that to the challenge that you are finding in the jazz choir. Mm. When you're able to accomplish something that's really hard mm. and do it together in a group especially, yeah. there is something really, really compelling about that, isn't there? And it's not absolutely, yeah. It's not exactly being impressed. But what is it? Um, maybe it's, as the musician, like in, in the scenario, maybe it is going beyond something that you didn't think you could do. Because I remember when I first got this piece in Jasmine, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, there's no way we're ever getting that up to tempo. 
and there's no way I'm ever going to be able to sing this standing next to this soprano and this bass right now. And then I got there and, and that, that was the moving part. And I, and I, I think there is, I mean, music is such a community thing when you're, when you're in a choir and when you're in a band or whatever. So like being able to accomplish that with people brings you closer with those people. And that's, that's moving. I know what you mean when you say there's nothing like being able to learn something that's really hard and do it together mm-hmm. musically, um, make that music together with somebody. There's just nothing like that feeling. It's like you're you're doing something that you were made to do. Mm. And yeah, yeah. My, uh, between you and me, or maybe maybe between you and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the song is called Made to Be. Did you hear that? Walker said earlier he didn't know his title. It's it's about, uh, I think it's going to be called Made to Be. I don't know yet, totally. But it's yeah. about, it's like being comfortable with who you are entirely. And, and it's really just about not comparing yourself to other people. I think when I came off the show, all I, all I wanted to do was be like, I'm not as good as him. And, you know, to some degree... That was like proven to me by the fact that I was voted off before, you know, so it's hard not to. It's really hard not to. And I've been having to say that phrase to myself ever since I got off. And and so I feel like I know that this message is going to mean something to somebody else because it it really means something to me. Like I, I need it so badly myself that it is kind of an honor to be able to put it out there to somebody who may not know how to voice that to themselves in the themselves in the way that I was able to in this one song. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been so difficult to cope with that temptation to compare yourself to other people. Was that the main challenge of being on the show or would you say there are other um, things that are harder? Oh man. I, th- I think the hardest part about the show for me was how homesick I was. Mm. I really found a place at school and amongst my friends, I have this absolutely phenomenal group of friends at Belmont and they would all get up at like 2.30 in the morning or maybe not 2.30, like 4.30 in the morning and drive me to the airport to go to Hollywood week or to go fly out to Hawaii for that round. Mm. They all would get up and it'd be, it'd be like, I'm not kidding. It'd be like 11 or 12 people. <laughs> and we'd be in this caravan to the airport <laughs> and we'd all take these pictures and we'd all cry. And it was uh. awesome. Being in LA was exciting. And there was a lot to look forward to. Like at the end of these few weeks, I get to sing with Jason Mraz, but at the same time on a daily basis, it was just this insane pressure yeah. Of like, I'm going to sing in front of like 10 million people at the end of this week. And I'm totally by myself. I didn't have a roommate in my hotel. And I was just sad and I was lonely and I missed being with my people. And it was even harder to know they were all together, like without mm-hmm. me, you know, the fear of missing out, as they say, FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had I have that big just as a person and so to, to like be on the opposite side of the country as them and for that whole thing it was it was really tough and then it got worse because I went back out for the live round so I came home for March while the show caught up to the live rounds and I flew back out when we started the live shows and I like I knew how miserable I had been the last time that I was there so I forced myself not to miss anybody 
and like I think I'm like stuck there I'm stuck in this place to this day of like not needing anybody anybody and it just feels really empty and it feels like I know it's not real I know that I need these people and I know that I love these people and I'm so set on that but it's like it's hard because I pushed all of that away so I could deal with just getting through this process especially when you know I haven't been in school in seven months Mm -hmm. so I'm going back this week and Mm -hmm. I think that will help a lot I'm really excited about that but that's probably been the hardest part is just missing my friends and then just being in this kind of emotional turmoil of homesickness and all this crazy pressure that I have never experienced. Like I'm just a music head major <laughs> from Birmingham, Alabama and like singing in front of all these people and not wanting to mess up. And I, I don't, you know, I didn't do a bunch of these shows that a lot of my peers at school have done. So it was a lot, it was just a lot of pressure that I, I found myself ready for in the moment, but it was just a lot to get to that point. Walker said he didn't know his song title, but we got to talking about who he is made to be, who he is at his deep center. He did know his title. It was there inside him. Music shapes us, and we shape the music we make. Even Walker's homesickness relates to this. Strong communities formed him. When he was isolated from those communities, it was destabilizing. How could it not be? How do you pull that off? Force, you said you forced yourself not to miss people. How do you do that? That's that's more of a self-reflection with hindsight. I, I, I think that's what I did because I wasn't as miserable. I wasn't as like homesick the second time. Mm-hmm. But then I came back and like, and I, and I, and I realized that there was this gap of like, why don't I miss these people as bad as I did the first time. And I know for a fact that it's not because I don't need them or love them or anything. Cause they are, they are my chosen family at this point in my life. They are who I want to be with all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that's just an observation in hindsight, in hindsight. I don't know how I did it. I think it was just like desperate times call for desperate measures. I, as, as often as I could while I was out there, I just took myself away into a different world. I bought a handheld gaming system and played video games. I started rereading the Harry Potter books. I'm halfway through the seventh one now. Okay. <laughs> so I'm almost done with that. All right. Um, I have to find another way to escape after that. But um, but that was like my thing. It was it was funny because I have these Harry Potter glasses mm-hmm. and everyone would be like, oh, you're reading Harry Potter. That's so funny. And I just was like, I just actually, I just like the books. I'm not trying to be ironic or anything. <laughs> but. You were talking about who you're made to be. Do you think your understanding of that has changed in the past few years? <sighs> this is a massive question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's wonderful. I mean, this is, all, this is what we're here for. Right now, a lot of my identity for myself is in kind of what I'm doing and I don't know if that's super healthy or not but as a musician I I mean like that's that's one of my identifying factors to myself and I guess also as a college student I'm thinking a lot about the future and kind of what that identity is going to be what that path is going to be so I'm trying to figure out who I am made to be Mm -hmm. I went into college as a music education major because I did drum major when I was in high school for the marching band and that, like, peer leadership in a musical setting, that was, like, 
where I fit. I was like, this is awesome and I want to do this forever. So I entered in with vocal music ed and found, that's where I found a lot of my really best friends at school and I'm loving the program and it's, it's awesome. I'm challenging myself and I'm passionate about the idea of leaving a legacy through the people that I impact. And, and my, my teachers in high school did that for me. And so I'd love to do that for other people. Then I'm in this world where it's like, maybe potentially if I played my cards right and whatever, I could have something of a music career or at least tour around and make some money playing music for a while and then maybe teach or something. I don't really know. What, what I wanted when I was a kid was to be like Justin Bieber and like, <laughs> like this famous singer and all the girls scream and whatever. That's what I wanted when I was a kid. And I think I convinced myself that that wasn't realistic when I was going through high school. And now I just have sung in front of many millions of people and I have something of a platform online and I'm enjoying writing and performing more than I ever have. And so part of me is like, maybe I should go make some music for a career. And that's so scary though. <laughs> it's so scary to like commit to doing that. Mm. Right now I'm in this awesome limbo. I have the opportunity to do school and tour at the same time because the tour dates are only on Fridays and Saturdays. So I'm taking class day, classes Tuesday through Thursday, flying out somewhere in the country on Friday, flying back Sunday, doing all my homework on Monday and repeat <laughs> all fall. It's going to be awesome and stressful, <laughs> but it's, it's great for me because I, I, I basically get to push off the decision of like, which route is my life going to take right now? Um, because I get to do both. And I'm, I'm really curious to see maybe which one I lean towards in the next few months and which one I enjoy and which one I don't enjoy. I know there's going to be parts of both that I, that I love and hate, but I'm hoping that this fall is going to help clear up kind of who I'm, who I'm made to be in that sense of, of like a career and of like what I want to do with my life, I suppose. I am very passionate about this idea of instilling my legacy in other people. And I don't know, like, that's what Mr. Horton talked about a lot. My, mm -hmm. my band director. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you're not, I mean, like your legacy is left in the people that you give yourself away to and like put yourself into. Walker was reminding me of a book I had read. Are you familiar with the writer Anne Lamott? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she has a book about the process of writing. It's called Bird by Bird, and she tells this anecdote about her father telling her brother, I think, to, he had to do a bird project for school, and he had put it off and put it off and right, put it off, right. and it was last minute, and the boy was saying, how am I, are we going to get this done? And the father said, you just do it bird by bird. So that's where the title comes from, uh, cool. One Little Thing at a Time. Yeah, awesome. But in that book, she has a chapter about the moral point of view, and her idea is that there are core truths of your being, mm -hmm. things that you you probably feel like these are universal truths and you don't even have to say them because they're so obvious that it's just this is the way the world is. Huh. Core truths that you hold to that she says ought to be at the center of your art, whatever mm -hmm. these truths are for you. And you just mentioned your friends holding to the constants that they know. So that's sort of like her core truths, I think, her mm. moral point of view. What are those constants? I 
I don't know that it was ever specifically said like these are the things that we always come back to, but but I I guess I notice a trend in just ideas about the worth of individual humans. I think that's where a lot of it can stem from. I think I think we all mutually agree that there's there is worth in every single person, and then the rest of it is just how do you respect that and how do you interact with other people even with people that you are really angry with and being judgmental about in your mind how do you how do you remember that they have as much worth as you and as much worth as your best friend and whatever that's probably the constant that i notice within my friend groups the the most just the way they voice their opinions about things and the way we have these conversations that are really really important to me so is it hard to apply that to yourself oh man coming back to the song that i just wrote (laughs) i i think so i think that i came off the show and you know i mean i do this anyways but i think now it's just very heightened because of the show like just compare myself compare myself to everybody else and i was i was talking about this with with a close musician friend of mine up in nashville and it's kind of a it's kind of a tough thing to say because you feel bad about saying it, but I think if if a lot of musicians were honest with themselves, this is kind of this is kind of a mutual thought. I or <laughs> maybe it's not, maybe I'm just like alone around this, but I don't love a lot of live music because when I when I see someone who's kind of on the same plane as I am, all I do is sit there and judge somebody either them or myself saying i'm not as good as them or i'm i could do that better than they're doing it and either way you feel just terrible terrible afterwards because that's awful you know it's a (laughs) terrible thought but like that's that's just what that's just what happens because i compare myself yeah there's the guy on the show uh alejandro Mm -hmm. ronda one of my absolute closest friends that i made on the show also easily one of the most innovative and and impressive musicians that I probably will ever meet. He's really incredible and his writing is so unique. I'm not as good as him as a musician. And so I I just sit here and I'm like, darn, I wish I was good as that guy. And what I need to remember is that I am Walker. I am myself. I'm not him. I'm not made to be him or made to make the music that he makes. The best that I can do is enough for that reason and I'm made to be me and make the music that I'm supposed to make and so like how do you remember that it's such a simple concept but it's so hard to remember Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of where it ties in with like your individual worth like how do you remember to see that worth in yourself and the person that you are instead of having to find that in comparing yourself to other people And and again it's just so hard I think maybe specifically for me, especially in this point in my life, I'm just pretty bad about it. But um, you forget to look at the good stuff about yourself sometimes, hmm. I guess, personally. That's human. Yeah. yeah. I was watching um, a clip from Mr. Rogers the last time he oh, recorded stop. something. I know. <laughs> Already crying. Yeah. But he's, uh, it was the last time he recorded something from the studio, the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Studio, and it was a year after 9-11. Mm-hmm. 
and I think I'm right about that. And he was talking to his television friends, you know, mm-hmm. who had grown up and who were who would tell him, this is what I try to teach and share with children in my life. And he was saying, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy that so grateful that you are teaching children that there are so many ways to express our feelings through art or sports or music or so many other ways. And that all of those ways of expression can bring healing to many different neighborhoods. Oh. And, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well. And it, it seems like you're you're thinking along those same lines when you're saying that I'm putting this reflection on who I am, who I'm made to be into my own art and to put this into music, which is one of the very hardest things about being human. Mm-hmm. To put it into music is maybe a way of being of healing for you, but probably also for people who hear your music. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I really do. I I, I think you're right. I think I think writing the song was really healing for me, and I think having it out in the world for other people to react to will be even more so. I hope you'll go find Walker's song Made to Be on Spotify and listen to it right now. American Idol finalists are not the only ones who struggle with how we compare to others. It's so hard to stay focused on our own path, our own voice, who we ourselves are made to be. As I listen to Walker, though, I think it does get a little easier to pay attention to things that matter. So I'm glad I got to speak with him again. I'll share our conversation with you in the next episode. I'm Beth McGinnis, and this is Here in Alabama.